So as Robin comes to read the scripture this morning, uh, this is at the end of the Gospel of John. And we we know this story, and I'm going to explain more about the story in a few minutes, but we're going to look at four stories that are post-resurrection stories and, um, and what the responses were to Jesus or his resurrection. And so see if this one sounds familiar. By the way, notice the name that is used only once and the other name that is used most of the time. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. Holy wisdom, holy words. Robin, I was, I was tempted to ask you how many exclamation points were in the reading this morning. <laughs> Jesus was a teacher, a healer, a prayer, community builder, and a confronter. He was bread, light, truth, life, vine, shepherd, and resurrection. His role was to build, fill, confront, empower, teach, and even train those coming after him. Then he died. Then he died. But as we know, there is more to the story. I want to look at what happened next through the eyes of those seemingly closest to him. And what I'm asking of you is to see if you can find yourself somewhere in the midst of these four narratives, these four stories. And as I ask you some questions at the end of each story, we begin with Mary Magdalene. Her name was Mary, and some believed her to be a prostitute, healed of a multitude of sins. They knew everyone in her community that she slept around, probably made her living this way, and she no doubt had emotional issues, self-esteem issues, respect issues, even financial issues that she sought to overcome by sleeping around. Jesus found her at her lowest point in life and seemed to lift her up as no one else could have. To say that she was appreciative would be a vast understatement. In every conceivable way, he saved her life. And grateful doesn't even begin to describe her feelings. So it centered her life 
in this time in her life was seeking to offer him her gratitude at every single opportunity. One example of that was as Jesus was at the home of Lazarus and Mary and Martha, suddenly a woman came in unannounced and didn't say a word. And as they were reclining at the table, and that's how they ate, this woman came to his feet and had brought expensive perfume and anointed not only his feet but his head with this perfume. And as she did so, knowing what was to come, her tears began to flow. And that became a part of the anointing, his feet and his head. And then she wiped her tears and the oil perfume with her hair. All without a word. And then was gone. It was the most intimate act he had ever experienced in all to say, thank you. Thank you. Mary had been there when he was arrested. She was there when he was inappropriately tried. There when he was convicted. There walking peril to him as he carried his cross to the hill. She was there when they did their dirty work, washed as they distributed his meager belongings, and was there when he died. She was there when they took him down, was there when they wrapped him in the shroud and then laid him in the tomb. And now, now, all she wanted to do was one more time to say thank you to him. And so came to the tomb, ready to anoint him again, probably no doubt, without saying a word but the body was gone. And suddenly, she not only felt lost, because the focus of her life had disappeared, she suddenly felt herself moving back to whom she was before she met him. Then she heard her name. It was Jesus. And everything changed. She was whole again. Whole again. Just by hearing her name. And what about you? Are you whole again? What's your response to Jesus? He was Simon. A nobody fisherman with a temper. He was a leader of sorts, but only with a few men. They too were fishermen, but he, at least according to some, headed up at least part of the fishing business. It had been a slow day when this unusual figure figure appeared on the shore. He was obviously watching them as they finished in their fishing and seemingly was waiting for them to come back to shore. Simon kept looking up and noticing him, and and this figure made him nervous for, for some reason. There was just something about him that was intense or strange or intimidating. And as they came to shore, Jesus approached him directly, face to face, and asked him, 
if he was willing to become a fisherman of humanity? What a strange question. But even stranger was that Simon said yes. I wonder, was it that he was fed up with fishing? Was it that he was just so intrigued with this man, so curious that he thought he'd give it a shot? Was it that there was something in the way Jesus asked, but what we know is he dropped his nets, grabbed his brother and two friends, and the four of them followed. So now as we hear the story, it had been three years of sleeping in unknown cities, walking and finding food wherever they could and help wherever they could. They watched the way Jesus healed, heard the way he taught, watched him confront the authorities without any fear and continually felt humbled and often overwhelmed by him. But Simon followed No doubt Simon loved Jesus enough that he dedicated his life to him. But when push came to shove, he caved. He caved. Even after being renamed the rock, Petros, Peter, supposedly a foundation of security and faith in the future of the church Jesus was trying to create. But as it turned out, not so much. He had denied him not once or twice, but three times to save his own life. Some rock, don't you think? So here he was back to fishing and back to being Simon, not Peter anymore. Then in the morning midst, once again on the shores of the sea and once again seeming to watch them, was that figure on the shore serving them, making them breakfast and watching them. And Jesus called him, Simon, do you love me? Three times asked that question and then gave him instructions. Three times. Three times to forgive those three denials shared by Simon. In all of it, Peter was reborn. Forgiveness does that, doesn't it? And you? And you? Forgiven? Have you accepted that forgiveness? Are you whole again? What's your response to Jesus? There were two of them walking along a country road on their way home, dejected, depressed, even demoralized. And like the the other more recognized followers, they had watched in disbelief as Jesus had been killed. They were newer at this, still a bit unsure, and even more so at a distance. They hadn't really known Jesus that well and certainly hadn't known him as long as the others had. There were so many who followed by that time. They weren't as recognized as Peter or as deeply involved as Mary, but they were followers nonetheless. And they were on the outskirts of all of this, but still felt the loss and seemed to be surprised at just how deeply they felt that sense of loss. After spending much of their lives trying to figure out their own beliefs, 
After trying a whole lot of different things, they finally found this man and found an answer, maybe the answer in him. At least it felt like it, and then it ended. So there they were, heading home, trying to figure out what might be next, and then came this stranger. He walked with them, asked a lot of questions, explained things in a way they could understand, and even reminded them about the prophets and the expectations of the Messiah, or as they would say later, opened the Scriptures up to them. And then they urged him to stay, which was the custom, and as was the custom, he first refused. And then they encouraged him even more deeply, and as was the custom, he then said yes. And he came in to have dinner with them, and they asked of him to break the bread, and, and he broke the, ble- the bread and he blessed it. And suddenly, their hearts ignited, and they recognized that this, in fact, was Jesus. And not only had he really known them, he came to them, encouraged them, and in the joy of it all, they literally ran back to Jerusalem to share that story. And in the midst of the breaking of the bread, Jesus disappeared from their sight. From their sight, not from their hearts. And so they began to search again. And you, is Jesus walking there beside you? Are you listening? Do you find him in the breaking of the bread? And what are you looking for now? At this time, on this road, in this life? Or are you one who feels that you're on the outside looking in? How do you respond to Jesus? And then we come to the end of the Gospel of Mark, the real end of the Gospel of Mark, because there was more added later. Look in your Bibles and you will see. The women went to the tomb early in the morning, the tomb where Jesus had been laid, and they knew he would be there, at least his body would be there, and they knew what they needed to do. They knew their tasks. They had watched as he'd been killed, wrapped, covered in oil and rich spices, and then placed in the tomb by his family and one very wealthy friend. Their role this morning was to simply renew the spices, add more so the stench of death would not be overwhelming. They talked quietly as they walked, and then they saw it as they approached the tomb, and more accurately, they saw them. What is it about angels, especially those that are described in Scripture? And I will share with you that the the angels they saw were similar to the ones that the shepherd had seen at the birth. But the response was totally different. If you remember, the shepherds went as they were instructed to go see the child, not these women. What these women did was turn around terrified and ran from the tomb screaming and told no one about what they had seen. No one. And can you just imagine as they're walking away, they were saying, did we really see what we thought we saw? Uh, Maybe we're just hallucinating 
for lack of sleep. Maybe it isn't, and began to talk themselves out of what they really saw for fear that others around them might find their story to be nuts. Little did they know what they missed. So what's your response to the angels around you or even to the risen Christ? Are you afraid of what others might think so you say nothing? And maybe run away terrified. So friends, as you think about Jesus, are you Mary and forever grateful that he saved you? Are you Peter and realize that the forgiveness he offers is real, but with the understanding that you have to accept it in order to become fully whole again? Are you on the road somewhere and realize that the only one who is talking with you is, in fact, Jesus? And you realize that you need to listen and then respond. Or are you ready to run away screaming for fear of being thought to be crazy or of stepping on someone's toes who may not believe what you have experienced? And this whole idea of Jesus just isn't worth the risk. Where are you? Finally, this morning I got up, and usually I try and take time on Sunday morning to at least glance through the paper to see what the headlines were. And on the front page, and I didn't have time to go really through the whole paper, Do you know what the headline was this morning? It basically said how many clergy have not been caught yet or have been caught in sexual abuses. That was a a headline on the front page of Seattle Times. And it's no wonder that so many question not only what I do as a clergy person or what Laura does as a clergy person, But what we do as a church, and I will share with you that one person came up to me after first service this morning, and she said, I am in a group, a fairly large group, and most of them are agnostic and atheists, and they hate the church because they believe us to be hypocrites or full of judgment. And what's the purpose of any of that? And she said, I have not known how to respond. And I said, please respond. Because that really isn't the description of the church. The church is us who struggle, no matter whether we're Mary or Simon or the two on the road or even those running away screaming or fearful of what others might think. And we come together to be able to struggle together, to search together, to be together, to find together to walk together, and then out of that to do this. To send kits to refugees across the globe. But here's the other task. As we become filled with Christ, we become transformed to be more like Him. To be able to look to the world, our neighborhood, our cities, our communities, and the world through the eyes that are Jesus and be the hands and feet that take that forward. But we have to be filled in order to do that as three out of those four stories were. And then we have to choose to continually be refilled 
and continually to take the actions appropriate as followers of Jesus Christ. So as we go deeper, in two weeks, I'm going to talk about the risks of taking those kinds of actions because that's the next piece of the history. But next week, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to get to know some of the preschool staff. We have an opportunity to be there to laugh with the children. An opportunity to meet Big Bubba again and the other teddy bears. And as I said, maybe to do a little version of head, shoulders, knees, and toes because Lord knows we all need the exercise. But to do it with those beautiful, wonderful children with whom we are tasked to be examples of just what I talked about. So as we prepare, will you pray with me? Hmm. God, we are, we are so blessed. And sometimes we take it so for granted. And I don't mean just blessed with homes and all those other things that we have. We are so blessed to be in a place where we can come together and worship, to be there for each other. And as we prepare for our prayer time, it is one of the things that we do with and for each other. We're blessed to be able to fill kits that will change the lives, transform the lives of those on the other side of creation. We are blessed to be those who seek to follow one who said, inasmuch as you do it for the least of these, you do it for me. And today I just ask that you help each one of us to open our hearts, our souls, our minds to be filled by you so that we can more readily see those around us that need that kind of love, not judgment, not persecution, but love, so that they too might find a peace that passes understanding. Help us be transformed, blessed to be a blessing. All this we ask in Christ's name. Amen.